Hey folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council Podcast, our 18th episode. You've got Brandon Saxton here. And Katie Gordon. And thank you so much for listening. And Katie, how are you on this Friday afternoon? I'm excited to talk about superheroes and coping. That's just a preview of what we're going to be spoilers. talking about. I know. Pre-spoilers. You're right. Exploring mental health and your favorite fictional characters. That's, that's a tagline that you came up with that I think is so well written, really explains what we do over here at the Jedi Council. Well, thank you. We're definitely going to be talking about that a lot today. Absolutely. So, uh, first things first, like we do every week, I wanted to jump in on some of the current events. I've, I've got a few great things I've read this week. Um, as usual, more so focused on the comics and the psychology side of things. But I think it makes for a little bit lighter current events sometimes. But the first one was that the Mira costume was revealed, and I think it's going to be in... I don't know for sure if that's going to be in the Justice League movie or an Aquaman solo film, but at any rate, it looked awesome. I was super excited for it. Uh, It looked like it was kind of scaly armor, and it looked really close to what you see in the comics, so I was pretty excited about that. Uh, Did you get a chance to see that, Katie? Yeah, that was really cool, and I I bought most, well, a lot of the first issues for DC Mm -hmm. Rebirth, just kind of try a lot of different things and so I was introduced to her character through that so it was really cool to see yeah, the actual absolutely. costume. I'm looking forward to that. Another one was a uh, the Justice League filming has wrapped now and uh, they released a behind the scenes sort of footage uh, kind of showed some bloopers and some funny things like that. A really funny one I saw was uh, Jason Momoa Aquaman kind of flipping his trident and dropping it and then uh, everyone was kind of laughing. He kind of did a little karate sort of move and then he uh sort of grabs uh, Wonder Woman's sword and takes off. And it, it looks like they're having a lot of fun there. And that kind of gives me a lot of hope. I mean, I love Batman vs. Superman, of course. But it gives me a lot of hope that the Justice League movie is going to carry on what I thought was great and maybe address some of the criticisms that other folks had and really make for uh, a really fun, uh, I don't know, sort of great movie. So at any rate, that sort of little thing made me excited. And it looked like there's some pretty cool stunts and... Uh, you got to see everyone come down the elevator in the back cave, so I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, that. and it's just remarkable to me that they do most of this acting in front of the green screen like that. It's just, I, I don't know how they can do that. You know, once we see it, it doesn't look like that at all. But oh, that was just, to me, another testament to how great of actors these people absolutely. are. Absolutely. It's amazing. Considering what do we do, we besides the 10,000 other things, but related to this <laughs> podcast, we sit down and talk for 30 to maybe 40 minutes. 30 by the time I cut out some of the goofs uh, in front of a microphone, and I always feel a little tiny bit of, like, uh, w- like performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I'm just talking at a microphone. So it, it is amazing to, to be able to put on such a great performance uh, in front of so many people. It always amazes me how many people are involved in filming because when you see the movie, there's just kind of the person or people you're uh, focusing on, but then you see it behind the scenes and they're actually like, surrounded by people. So it, it is exactly. amazing, and it really speaks to the long hours and hard work that really does go into acting. Yeah. I think sometimes it's not always appreciated. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to see it all come together. Absolutely. Uh, in related movie news, uh, Marvel fans will rejoice to hear me speaking about Marvel, a rare occurrence on the Jedi Council <laughs> podcast. The uh, newest Doctor Strange trailer dropped the other day, And I have to admit, I was a little skeptical about Doctor Strange, the movie, when I first saw the first trailer, and I said, oh, well, this is cool. It's Inception, too. Uh, (laughs) But uh, that was just my natural bias against Marvel blinding me to what I actually think is going to be a really fun movie. Uh, 
So, of course, there's some of the fun uh, Marvel lighthearted humor that we've seen already in some of the trailers, which is fine. And uh, it looks like it's going to be a visually really stunning movie. And there's a couple of really cool lines in the trailer. Uh, one along the lines of something the the Avengers protect us from uh, physical threats. Uh, we're here to protect the world from metaphysical or mystical threats, I think they said. And a couple of cool lines about uh, someone refers or uh, kind of talks to Doctor Strange. Says, oh, hey, mister. And he says, oh, it's actually doctor. I thought that was kind of fun. That's uh, something that we can relate to. Uh, I, I'm, you a, will I'm future, a few years yeah. away, but I can't wait to say it just like that every time someone <laughs> says mister. Uh, I, I hope to be the Doctor Strange of psychology. I think I'm that's a good I'm certainly strange goal. enough. So, no, okay. <laughs> and uh, our last in the current events news is the new Rogue One trailer. Uh, people will probably be ready to delete me off of their podcast list. Luckily, you're here to save us, because I haven't even seen it yet. Katie, what did you think of the new Rogue One trailer? It's cool. I won't even try to describe it, because it has to be seen. Let's just say Darth Vader makes appearances in it, and it's... I can't believe we only have to wait two more months. I It just looks wonderful. So good. It does seem like just so recently that we sat down to watch uh, Force Awakens. So I have to admit that the last 10 months has really whipped by and uh, it makes it seem like the one year between these films seems like a long time but actually one year between movies is actually almost a comfortable amount is kind of weird to say but I think it's going to be really great too. I'm really looking forward to Rogue One. There's some awesome dialogue in the trailers. I'm kind of moving away from watching trailers lately just because it's they give away a lot of the most awesome yeah, parts of the do. trailers. I think that's true. So I heard something the other day, classic Jedi Council tangent right here for you <laughs> folks, uh, that uh, a lot of the filmmakers aren't completely involved in the making of the trailers. Oh. It's actually the studios. And there's actually, it's kind of a pervasive problem across a lot of genres. They give away the coolest parts of the movie in the trailers. I remember, I, I liked the movie Deadpool a lot, but I remember after I watched it, I was like, well, that was really great, but all the neatest and funniest jokes I already saw, so it left something to be desired. So I, I almost have been, I used to be so, like, like, I would wait, I would know when a trailer's going to mm-hmm. drop, and I would wait to watch it, and now I've kind of moved away from that a little bit more. So maybe I'll hold off on Rogue One. We'll see. I'm sure I'll Leave crack some and, surprises. And watch it. Well, it, it's true, though, because obviously they want to market the best parts of it, but then it's not as fun for viewer if they go in and there aren't any surprises mm-hmm. so no i i feel the same way I if i may go off on a brief tangent please. and it's quite tangential i, I actually <laughs> um those of you who know me may know that i am a huge hamilton the musical mm-hmm. fan and one thing that lin-manuel miranda talked about is that the album unlike most musicals actually contains the entire story pretty much except for one scene and he wanted to leave something just for the live performance and I think that that is how I like my movies some surprise when you're actually in there looking at it I know a lot of people and I think this is a very valid criticism of uh, Batman vs Superman was the uh, doomsday reveal in the trailers I thought that was a poor choice as well because Mm That would have been so much more impactful if we would have waited to see, get that, like, firsthand, like, oh my gosh, this is really escalating. Uh, to have the actual reveal when he jumps down kind of onto the ground, they showed that in the trailer. I mean, it, I have to admit, that is disappointing. And I hope that uh, sort of this trend of trailers giving away a lot of the greatest and, and most surprising or funny or interesting parts of the movies, we can dial that back a little bit. I'd like to see that. So listen up, Hollywood and yeah. other movie well, studios. Warner Brothers, yeah. both of you. 
Listen, we're available, we know psychology, and we'll tell you what, yeah, you got to show people something to get them to go, but what really brings them in is if there's some kind of secret that's revealed only by going to the movie. So please consult us on any further trailers. Yes, our fees are very reasonable. Yeah, zero to five cents. Zero to five cents. I almost, and for the most part, I agree with what you said completely, but... I disagree on one part. Is this our first on-air conflict? This is conflict? our first on-air conflict. The <laughs> tension good. is rising. <laughs> they do not have to show me a single thing from Rogue One. They could just say, Brandon, Star Wars Rogue One. That's what it's called. It's playing over that the West Acres Fargo Theater, and I would buy a ticket, and I wouldn't even hesitate. No, I think you're right. I mean, it's possible that there are some people that aren't interested in that, but Absolutely. I don't understand it. I don't And I don't know that it. a trailer could could get them if they're already so disinterested in Star Wars. And maybe extending this point, I still haven't seen the newest Rogue One trailer, but why are they even showing Darth Vader? I I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll feel different when I see it. We haven't had Darth Vader on the big screen in, what, 30 years? That would have been amazing to be able to, Mm -hmm. like, oh, there's Darth Vader. I may have cried. Out of, like, this is amazing. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the first one, I thought it was perfect. They show him for a flash at the end, and I I think that's good. So he's in it, and that's all you need Mm -hmm. to know. But what's he doing? Mm -hmm. That you've got to go into the theater and see. Right, no. At any rate, this is our new film critic podcast, (laughs) Jedi Council Film Critics. Thanks for checking out our first episode. (laughs) Who knew our expertise was on such broad matters? It's it's amazing, the things that that we know about, apparently. That we know better than people who've been working in the area for years. (laughs) Katie, should we talk about something we actually know a little bit about psychology? Okay. Uh, Okay, let's let's pull one of our classic shifting gears (laughs) uh, transition segments. Uh, Oh, before we transition, Katie... Have you ever heard of iTunes? Oh, um, is that like a new thing? Kind of like, is that like MySpace? It's, no. <laughs> it's not. iTunes, uh, I just want to say, I noticed we had a new review on iTunes. I appreciate that. And uh, we don't, I, I certainly, our budget is limited. We can't be paying for so much advertising. We've got a strong Twitter game. And we've got a pretty good Facebook game, but we can't pay for TV ads yet. We just aren't there. So what we love is those folks who are getting on iTunes and saying, Hey, Jedi Council Podcast, you're giving us that good, free podcast content pretty much every week. Normally on Thursdays, sometimes Fridays or Saturdays, but whenever. I'd love to give you a review so other people might be able to find the Jedi Council Podcast. To those people, I say thumbs up. Yes. And there's actually a few specific calls uh, that I'd like to make. So a couple of folks on Twitter were so kind as to retweet and tell other folks about us. We've had so many. Actually, I should compile a more comprehensive list. But in the last week, we've had a couple of really great great tweets. Uh, one from a Twitter user by the name of Chelsea. She uh, posted this wonderful tweet about how she just wished she could be listening to the uh, Jedi Council podcast all day. I agree with you. I wish I could listen to it, too. Actually, I take it back. I hate listening to my own voice. Editing it is a nightmare. No, just kidding. And another one is Sam. Uh, She also liked a tweet on there. And then we always have some loyal fans on uh, Facebook. I know we have Annie on Facebook. She's liking our posts a lot. So I just can't even put into words how much it means to uh, have such great followers. Uh, Zach, he's one. He likes almost everything we post on Facebook. So it's been a it's it's just been a, a wild ride, and I just really appreciate everyone who's really been supporting us along the way. Yes, thank you so thank much. Thank you all so much. Tangent over. Okay. Let's talk about some psychology. 
coping skills. That's the topic of today. Uh, coping skills. How, what's the best way to define coping skills? Um, maybe perhaps as uh, techniques or strategies that you use to manage stressful situations or negative emotions. Maybe in a very simple way, would you? Sure, yeah. It, exactly like you said, there's some stress or negative emotions, and it's how you how a person deals with those are coping skills, Absolutely. I would say. And, uh, or, or coping styles. I guess if we're styles. talking about coping skills, it's more specific, specific to technique, um, things or? that you've learned. Mm-hmm that you use and, and usually has a positive connotation. To yeah. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so folks who know a little bit about me, a lot of my research so far has been in the field of emotions. And I think emotions are fascinating. And what I think is most fascinating about emotions is we, for the most part, all experience them. And not all of them are pleasant. I think we've talked a little bit about this on the podcast before. So it is important to develop ways to navigate negative emotions so you don't get caught up in a situation where you're overwhelmed when you're experiencing maybe some extreme emotion dysregulation. Exactly. Or negative emotions just generally. Go ahead. That's right. Or in a situation where if you're experiencing stress, there are certain strategies of coping that people engage in that make things worse. Absolutely. And not not intentionally, but maybe we can just highlight some of those because... You know, I've had clients say before working with them, why don't they teach coping skills in school? And I, I bet they to. do in some schools, but but not in all of them. No. And these are really life skills that affect everything from academic performance, social connections, all of those important things. So maybe maybe it should be mm-hmm. more regularly or systematically taught. Do you think I would be exaggerating if I said this is something that impacts you almost daily? I don't I, mean, I think that's absolutely correct because every single day we have choices about how we deal with things mm-hmm. or um, overlearned responses, depending mm-hmm. on how you view it and how we react to things, and that impacts the trajectory for the rest of the mm-hmm. day. So maybe we can start off by talking about some negative coping styles sure. that people engage in. And would you would you say that I'm incorrect in saying that the reason that some people engage in negative coping styles, or maybe it's, let's open it up as a broader question, why do people engage in negative coping styles? Would you say that they are reinforcing in a very short-term manner? For example, I'm thinking of avoidance. Uh, uh, maybe I think avoidance is very, for the most part, self-explanatory. But really, it's just uh, this: when you're faced with a situation or a task or a decision that you need to complete or make, uh, you just avoid it. So maybe uh, in the morning, I have to get up. I have to go to work every day, but I can't today. I'm just gonna. I just stay in bed. I just avoid work. Uh, maybe a very simplistic example of avoidance. Uh, would you say that's maybe reinforcing for someone to, in the moment to make that decision? Or why would hmm. you say that someone might engage in, in avoidance for, as an example, of a negative coping style? I, I think that's a great example because I think going to work is something that is uh, relatable for people who struggle with mental health problems, mm-hmm. that they wake up and they dread having to go to work. And in the short term, if you avoid work or call in sick, then you have some relief of that anxiety because you're not having to face whatever you're dreading happened. And so that can kind of reinforce and increase the chances that you're going to do it again. And this is where we talked about the importance of having adaptive or healthy coping strategies because in the long term, that's not a great solution and in fact can cause greater problems such as uh, jeopardy of your job Mm -hmm. if you are calling in all the time or Mm -hmm. not going. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So I'm thinking about other examples of negative, uh, or, um, maladaptive coping styles. And I'm thinking about in my previous, and, uh, in my previous clinical work, I think avoidance is one of the most, more common ones that I've come across. Um, other ones that maybe are common, uh, rumination. 
Would you say rumination is a, uh, it's another one I know I've seen a lot, particularly with individuals who suffer from depression. Yeah, definitely see a lot of that. And so rumination, if you're not familiar with that, um, it is it is a term used in psychology that has to do with um, some kind of event happens and the person is going through the event over and over in their mind, kind of chewing it over, which is why the term rumination is used. And the idea is that they're not problem solving or trying to come to terms with it. They're sitting there thinking about it. So to get a concrete example, someone gets a C in their class, and after the class, they start thinking about, why did I get that C? And it doesn't go in the direction of how can I prevent it next time. It goes in the direction with something must be really wrong with me. I should have done something different. I'm flawed as a person. I'm incapable. Maybe they replay taking the test in their mind. And so the idea is that it's over and over again in their mind, but they're not actually problem solving or coming to any resolution. And this is pretty common. A lot mm -hmm. of people relate to this. Most of us do it from time to time, but if you do it a lot, it is associated with greater risk for depression, like Brandon was saying. Absolutely. And if I can add to that mm -hmm. example, because I think there's another part of the uh, equation that makes rumination mm -hmm. particularly potent, is that to add on to your specific example, maybe it's the third exam on the course that you got a C on, but on the first two, that individual might have gotten A's. But they completely ignore that positive information uh, in terms, or uh, rather, in preference, or they have preferential attention to the one singular negative event. Uh, even though there's a lot of evidence that indicates that person is not a failure, uh, they're not a poor student, they aren't unintelligent, um, something there's likely in a lot of those situations when you challenge that thought with the client you'll find there was something that maybe was out of their control that led to the C or maybe it was within their control uh, maybe they missed some class for some unknown reason maybe they just didn't prepare as well that time there could be any number of reasons but I think that's kind of another part of that equation is, is kind of the suppression of attention to the positive things or the counter arguments yeah. uh, that go against the thing um, on which you ruminate yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. So it amplifies the negative aspects. It's kind of magnifying that while ignoring counter information that would be helpful absolutely. to you. And, and it's, it's a less of a balanced picture. And it wouldn't surprise you that usually makes people feel worse. Why do they do it? Often they feel like they are problem solving or doing something that might prevent it in the future, or they just feel like they can't stop thinking mm -hmm. about it. No, I think I, I know that... Uh, there is some evidence, I think, to show that, that those individuals do receive some sort of reinforcement and think that it is an adaptive thing and thinking about why did this happen to me, why did this go wrong, what's wrong with me, that they can prevent it in the future, mm -hmm. when in actuality, like you've pointed out so well, they're engaging in a very cyclical sort of line of thinking that's just going to lead to more and more negative emotions and more and more negative self-evaluations. Yeah, that's exactly right. And just another common situation that people say they experience this in is if they have an interaction, whether it's by text or Facebook mm -hmm. or whatever it is, or in person, and they leave that interaction and they just ruminate about anything that went poorly about it. What did it mean when they said this? What are they doing? But they're not actually asking the person to clarify mm -hmm. what they meant. They're just thinking about it, and it, and it takes over their mind. It makes it less likely for them to engage in a future interaction. And I think what's particularly important even about that is not only is there evidence to show that they kind of pay less attention to positive interactions maybe or positive events, but even something that might have been a neutral interaction, they can spend a significant amount of time 
thinking about it and interpreting it as being negative. Exactly. So, so altogether, this really um, is tough because people have a hard time stopping this. We will get to some tips mm -hmm. for how to reduce this, and it's very problematic. And a lot of people don't even know that's what they're doing. So Absolutely. hopefully this will help if you recognize some of that in yourself. Mm -hmm. Maybe one last negative mm -hmm. coping uh, style before we change gears a little mm -hmm. bit uh, that... Uh, I think it was maybe most commonly seen in my previous work when I worked with individuals who were involved in the domestic violence program was uh, substance use or substance abuse perhaps mm -hmm. is a better way to put it. And I think that's a very much maybe uh, related to an avoidance strategy where when you're engaging or perhaps uh, better put using substances that lead to uh, intoxication or inebriation or anything like that, it's a very... Um, effective way to avoid experiencing the negative emotions. Yeah, that's right. So in the short term, there's some relief, and that mm -hmm. makes it more reinforcing, but uh, can create more problems. Mm -hmm. And thinking about all of these three, and there are many more, of course, oh, but yeah. just to give a sampling of uh, avoidance, rumination, and substance use, they all three uh, are very likely to lead to more problems. Mm -hmm. So uh, they have the potential to lead to missing work, or to influence interpersonal relationships negatively, or lead to legal consequences, you know, depending on which you look at, there's some overlap across the three. And uh, that sort of negative um, outcome leads to more negative emotion and more negative thinking. And it, it's so cyclical in nature. And mm -hmm. oftentimes I, I explain it almost like a tornado to my clients because it does go around and around and, and it tends to get worse and worse. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So in psychology, uh, there's a lot of times maybe, or in the past, was a trend to focus on the negatives. That's what we've done so mm -hmm. far. Maybe let's change gears a little bit and talk about some negative, or not, we're done talking about negative. Let's talk about some It's so hard to let go of it that. It is, <laughs> uh, especially because I am, it's so relevant to our work and, and it's relevant to a lot of the research that uh, that I think I think we probably both have been involved in. Mm -hmm. um, but let's talk about some of the positive things. And, and we've also have some research on this lab related to positive uh coping styles. One that comes to mind right away, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it because um, we've already kind of talked talked about it quite a lot, is mindfulness. Mm -hmm. This is something I'm working on practicing every again, uh, practicing regularly again. And one thing that's, I read this wonderful quote about mindfulness. Actually, it might have been in your interventions class. Oh. I don't know for sure. Uh, tell me if you know where this it quote is from. Um, what is the exact quote? Uh, mindfulness is simple but not easy, I think is the quote. Because when you think about it, it is simple. It's just being paying attention to what's happening in the very moment in a non-judgmental non way. But it's not easy. Right. All of our minds wander so much. I mean, I, mine certainly does. I shouldn't speak for everyone. No, I world, think that's but. the nature of our minds. They do mm. wander. And so this is, mindfulness is a, can be an antidote to rumination for yes. some people. Mm -hmm. Or um, temporary distraction, which is different than avoidance. So if someone's stuck in a ruminative state, and they go for a walk or they exercise or they watch a movie. The goal is to return to the problem later. It's mm -hmm. not avoidance, but to break that ruminative cycle. And so mindfulness is a nice one. And if you haven't heard our podcast episode about psychology and the light side of the force, mm -hmm. that's um, there's more information about mindfulness than that one. I'm going to say one last thing about oh, mindfulness. Oh, no, please. Uh, because you raised up a really great point. It's related to a paper that we're actually working on getting published right now is about how mindfulness actually, because it does relate to rumination and in a lot of ways is kind of almost a similar construct. And I've had people ask me, well, so rumination is just thinking about something again and again. Well, isn't mindfulness kind of like attending to something right in the moment? Yeah, I mean, they're certainly related. 
But rumination is oftentimes something in the past, and it's in a very negative, evaluative way. Mindfulness is a very non-judgmental sort of way. And uh, there is some evidence, hopefully that will be published soon, that shows that mindfulness actually serves as a protective factor against depression because of the way it interacts with rumination. I I think that's great. And a lot of it, like you said, the non-judgmental, the acceptance, and being able to focus your attention on the present, not feeling stuck like yes. it's in the past. So you heard it before it was published, straight yep. from yep. Brandon. Straight here, yep. <laughs> uh, so look for it in journals, hopefully soon. Uh, another one that comes to mind for me, um, exercise. Mm-hmm. I think, and that's that's one that I think a lot of people... So I've had clients talk, tell me before, I say, you know, I, I like to do behavior activation with folks, and, and that's a topic for another uh, episode, certainly. But in a very brief nutshell, behavior activation is a treatment for depression where you're basically just getting people to re-engage with activities in their life that they maybe used to find pleasurable but no longer uh, engage with, particularly related to just getting them up and moving and socializing and doing things they like and doing the things they have to do as well. Um, is I've had people say, and I, who are maybe depressed, and I say, well, you know, what are some of the things you used to like to do? I used to love to go for walks, and, and I always like to pinpoint on that because getting people outside, getting them some fresh air, get the blood pumping a little bit, mm-hmm. the research is clear. It's, it's good for your mood. And it's amazing, too. I think some people think, oh, that's too simple. Yes. And that's one aspect. But the research suggests that that is as effective as really focusing on thoughts and changing mm-hmm. all of those things. And then the second thing is, that sounds great, but it's too hard to do that. And I understand yes. that. But that's a nice thing about you can titrate behavioral activation so that you're starting off with something reasonable so that people can step mm-hmm. up to it. But it is, it, it's exercise really is that helpful for most people. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people need additional things, but it, it seems to make a big difference. And the key part um, about that is that it doesn't have to be rigorous exercise oh. i think a lot of people also think oh now i have to do you know two hours of hardcore cardiovascular or something like that there's evidence that regularly taking walks can have some mm-hmm. mental health benefits absolutely yep um how about one last positive coping s- style or skill i'm gonna go social support this is a That's big a thing one. we're we're social creatures and um many of us might I know for I, from time to time, and probably other people, when we're dealing with a problem or a stressor, we don't want to talk to other people and mm-hmm. want to kind of deal with it ourselves. That's not the best way to do it. No. It's fine to take some time and think about how you're feeling. But then eventually what, what is suggested over and over again through research is that social connections have vast benefits for physical and mental health. Mm-hmm. And so even if you're struggling with something, maybe you feel nervous about sharing it with someone, it's important to find someone that you can trust, talk to them. And it's amazing how much that can also take you out of rumination. Just talking something over with someone who's supportive can help you see things in a new light. Or even if you're not talking about it, but you're just going to do something fun with them, which is part of behavioral activation, that social support is so central to who we are as humans that that can have very positive effects. Absolutely. Uh, So a couple of really great examples, I think, of negative and positive coping skills. And I thought maybe a fun way to tie this into sort of our intersection between nerdiness and psychology 
is I think this is something that maybe we both engage in a little bit that I've kind of picked up on in past conversation. But I know one uh, coping strategy that I've used before, and uh, sometimes uh, I'll incorporate this, maybe it's the end of the day and I'm just so worn out, but there's a little more work I have to get done. Or oftentimes, you know, uh, I like to pride myself on, I, I feel like I'm a fairly decent speaker when I give a talk. But I, I agree. Thank you. But I always feel nervous ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, what I, I like to ask myself sometimes, and you can flame me as much as you want about this because I know how cheesy it is, is, you know what, uh, how would Bruce Wayne handle this sort of situation? Uh, that's, you know, I, I kind of just put myself in that mindset when I'm feeling a little nervous, like, well, how, how would Bruce Wayne maybe handle this? Would he get so caught up in, you know, what is everyone going to think of me? I mean, I know I'm prepared. I know I, I know what I'm talking about. And uh, I don't know. There's something to that that I find a little bit of comfort in, in trying to maybe grab onto some of the, it's almost a kind of a weird, like, fictional extrinsic social support system where it's just like, you know, I don't know if it's the the Batman tattoo or what it is, but I find some sort of support in thinking about how would he handle the situation or maybe what would he tell me to do right now or just something so simple like that. And I think there is, I've I've heard a little bit of this um, in conversation Mm -hmm. with you and I've also heard it from other people and and I think that it somehow maybe relates to uh, some what some folks are doing related to superhero therapy actually, Mm -hmm. which we have talked about in the past, a very early Jedi Council Mm -hmm. episode. Um, is there anything like that for you, Katie? Yeah, I'm. as we're speaking, I'm wearing Wonder Woman earrings. Oh, very cool. <laughs> I had to give a presentation today, you mentioned that, and then there are just some other things that we had to do. And so you, you had told me about this, and I do think it's helpful sometimes for me to think about what would Wonder Woman do in this situation. So some things that I admire about her approach to things are that she really focuses on um, trying to lend a hand and have compassion with people, before fighting them. She will mm-hmm. fight if needed, mm-hmm. but that's her first approach. And she also really tries to get to the truth of things. And this is something I've, I've come to realize more that is really important to me. And so when I think about navigating a difficult, challenging situation, maybe something at work or in another realm, I try to think about, well, how would Wonder Woman approach this? One thing is she's strong. She doesn't mm-hmm. back down. And that's helpful for someone like me who sometimes struggles with assertiveness. Mm-hmm. But it's also helpful for me to think about she does all of that with compassion and truth in mind. And that's something that I can try to aspire to. And so I think that that's one of the ways that it's is checking in with my own values and that helps me to have a frame in terms of acting the way that I feel is consistent with my values. Absolutely. If I can piggyback onto your Wonder Woman uh, comment here, I saw something pretty cool yesterday. Wonder Woman named the Ambassador of Gender Equality. How amazing is that? It's amazing. So I, I think that I, like you, think, oh, is it too cheesy mm-hmm. having this this thought, these admiration and connection to fictional characters? But if it's good enough for the UN, then it's good enough for me. That's what I say, too. <laughs> Uh, hey, Marvel Comics, where's your UN ambassador? <laughs> Stan. <laughs> Stan Lee. That's my direct call for today's episode. I gave it's Marvel... It's important to uh, have a few. <laughs> it's important to have many alienated <laughs> listeners. No, I, I think it's, it, it, is, it is an interesting sort of thing to kind of feel like, you know, because it does feel, I don't know what's the right word, cheesy. Yeah, Yeah. maybe especially as adults, there's a Mm -hmm. thought, you know, I have to say, though, with there being more prominence, including a lot of the people we've been lucky enough to interact with on Twitter, I mean, it's been so fun. I do feel 
less cheesy about it because oh, yeah. there's like this whole line of professional men's mm-hmm. clothing that has superhero stuff related to it that's really cool. There are a lot of people just openly talking about this. Dr. Letemendi, we've talked mm-hmm. about before, has a great TEDx talk about mm-hmm. um, the power Wonderful. of superheroes. So I, I do, I feel like that's helpful. And for some people, maybe it's a not a fictional character that yeah, you can look that's to. that's a really great point. But what, one of the things that I think is most helpful is when there's a stressor or something you're trying to deal with and you really can't think of how to approach it. If you think about someone you admire and how they might approach it, that sometimes can give you ideas from your own inner wisdom and how to pursue it. Absolutely. Very well said, Katie. Thank you. As usual, you know, this is slowly going to turn into a four or five hour podcast. Every time I look. Prepare for that, folks. Prepare for it. Jedi Council coming at you eight hours a week. Uh, Thank you so much for listening in. Uh, Before we finish up, I, of course, have to turn to our internationally, critically, award winning closing segment Pros of Wisdom with Brandon. Uh, Today, I'm just going to offer you one simple pearl of wisdom. And not only is it a pearl of wisdom, but it's also a request. What I'd like for you to do is take a minute and think about who's a hero uh, that you can look up to or that you can uh, look to in times of need or some a hero who can be there for you, in other words. Perhaps for me, it's Bruce Wayne. Perhaps for Katie, it's Diana Prince. Who is it for you? I'd love it if you got on Twitter or got on Facebook and uh, tweet at us and let us know because I'm really interested in other people who maybe look to fictional characters as uh, forms of social support. And uh, I really think there's something there. And and I'm interested in learning more about how other people use this sort of uh, wonderful, positive coping style. That's all I have for today. Uh, Katie, do you have any other closing thoughts before I give our classic sign-off segment? No, just as usual, thanks for listening. Absolutely. You know, and I can't say enough how much we really appreciate all the great supporters, all the great followers, all the great listeners. As always, you can find us at our website, www.jedi-council.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, all of our podcasts are hosted over on Podbean. You can find us on all those and uh, we're also on iTunes and Stitcher, and uh, we love people who are reaching out and trying to find out where to find us. Are always happy to redirect folks to where they can listen to our stuff. And uh, if you're listening and you're enjoying it, please, please do go ahead and give us a rating on there. Uh, we appreciate that a lot, and that's how other people can uh, hear about us and hear our ramblings. So, that's right. As always, thanks so much. And our sign-off uh, that I'm still. I'm still trying to find a good sign-off for us. And uh, I'm sampling some different things out. So for this week, I borrowed something from the office. Uh, We will see you on the flippity-flip.